Hi, welcome to Qubytes, your bite-sized pieces of quantum computing. My name is Rene from Belorm Reply, and today we're going to talk about the quantum startup world. Exciting stuff, right? And for this, I'm honored to have a special expert guest today, Emily Meets. Hi, Emily, and welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi, Rene. Uh, I'm doing really well, thank you. Thank you for having me here today. I'm really happy to be part of these digestible bits of quantum information. Love it. Yeah, thank you. And can you tell us actually a little bit about yourself and your background as it relates to quantum computing and your whole field? Yeah, of course. Um, so I studied physics at a bachelor's degree in, in the UK. And let's say that I'm not one of these people that physics always came really easily or naturally to. I actually had a, a pretty hard time with my physics degree. But I think I came out of it much stronger, actually, because by that point, I was really sure that I wanted to work hard to stay involved with um, physics. And after nice. my degree, I did a little bit of business development, took a step in the startup world, um, started to hear a little bit about quantum already doing some market research, and then actually went back towards the academic world. So I was working on 2D materials in the lab, like actually putting the grind in like experimental physicists do. Um, but it was actually within the lab setting that I realized I was more concerned in helping the tech get out of the labs and into the real world. And so that kind of led me to deep tech and my position now at Speed Invest. Um, and I guess when I joined them, I had my physicist hat on, let's say, and kind of took yep. that opportunity to jump on board the quantum side of things, made that my main investment focus. And that's really what I've been working on over the past year as part of the, the deep tech team here. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, impressive journey. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you got a lot of experience in all these different positions, which is always helpful, right? To to um, look beyond your current stuff, which you're an expert in, right? Yes. And uh, growth mindset in the end, right? Uh, well, let's dive into today's topics. Uh, you're working on startup uh, investments, like you just said, and, and your role is a deep tech analyst. So what is that? Can you explain what the deep tech analyst is, is doing and what your typical day for you looks like? Yeah, of course. Um, so I guess I can start simple. My, my main job can be described as analyzing deep tech opportunities, kind of like it says on the tin. And within that uh, scope, basically, I'm looking for investment opportunities. So startups and deep tech that have breakthrough or disruptive technologies that needs to be commercialized. So I spend my time looking for these opportunities and also supporting founders in the deep tech space on their journey of commercialization. So we at Speed Invest are an early stage investor. And what that means is that we come in at what we call the seed stage or pre-seed stage, which is really the very early days, pre-revenue, often pre-product. There's a lot of things to figure out. And so that's when, you know, a lot of operational support and sign of just not, not necessarily handholding, but support in general can be really important for founders. So in terms of what a typical day looks like for me, I would actually say no such thing. <laughs> um, but I can give you a little bit of insight into how I split my time, maybe. So a lot of my time is spent speaking with founders. Um, so I get to speak with amazing entrepreneurs, academics that are telling me about the research or whatever idea is that they have that they've been working on for a while. Um, I spend a lot of time trying to keep up with market trends, whether it's in artificial intelligence or machine learning or, or IoT, you know, edge networks and, and most of the time quantum. 
Um, and then, of course, part of my time is, is spent supporting Speed Invest's mission. So, you know, we're very committed to some outward-facing, um, you know, commitments we make to the, the ecosystem and the world, like diversity and equal opportunities and inclusion, um, you know, very strong uh, environmental policies. So the time is really split between those, but most of the time is, is focused on founders and how I can help them on their journey. Makes sense. Makes sense. And uh, thanks for sharing that. That's uh, very insightful. And can you, could you actually share some examples of certain startups that you see that are providing real impact already today? Like things we are focusing really is uh, in Qubytes is like, you know, making quantum computing approachable, but also looking at the impact it is already providing today. Because like for a lot of people, it's still this sci-fi thing mm -hmm. that is like 20 years out or might not happen at all but folks it's happening already and things are real real <laughs> and so can you share some of examples maybe your favorite examples maybe quantum computing hardware maybe you know quantum computing algorithm software space i don't mind whatever it is yeah of course um so so maybe before i dive into some specific startups i think it's important to think a little bit about what people mean or what people think of when you say the world, the words real impacts today. You know, what does it mean to, to have impacts now? When is value being created? And I think already taking a step back and thinking about those words says a lot because people in the quantum ecosystem or people looking into the quantum ecosystem have really big expectations of what quantum computers can do. Right. So there are these promises of these fancy algorithms that can, you know, really cause um, improvements. And, for example, searching of unstructured databases, you know, the, the classic Shores algorithm, Grover, certain types of optimizations. And there's all these promises of things being really accelerated. The reality is, as you know, the hardware today is not quite there. There's a big gap between those promises and what people can do now. Does that mean that what people are doing now is not having an impact? In my opinion, no. Because if you don't construct these foundational blocks, if you don't pave the road step by step, you're never going to get to what people are thinking of as this real world impact. And the way that people are doing it today and having impact is working really closely with the people who can later on benefit from the applications of quantum computing. So working very closely with industrial players, whether it's in logistics and finance, you know, mapping to certain types of optimization problems that fit within the category of like algorithmic complexity that quantum computers are good at. And just, just keeping that link very close is very important and in my opinion already has impact today. For example, uh, the startup Pascal based out of uh, France, they're developing an atomic array based quantum computer. And they have partnerships with a whole bunch of, of different industrial players. And for example, they, they published quite a nice paper, I think about a year ago, where they worked with EDF, the largest electricity provider in France, to basically um, map the optimization problems required to um, basically figure out how to best charge electric vehicles and their charging stations and how that can be mapped to the quantum scenario. So, you know, Here is where you're getting these first tastes of potential acceleration of speed up that are not accessible otherwise. And I think just thinking about this closeness, even though, you know, some of these might not be generating, 
you know, cash, cash money, so to say now, they are essential and they are foundational. And I think that impact is real today. That's on the computing side. Then on the sensing side, you know, have um, a lot of companies who have fully commercialized um, products, for example, QLM out of Bristol are using it to detect gas leaks in industrial um, gas plants. You have, uh, you know, in incredible increases in telemetry and different sensors. And then on the software side, exactly, you have this mapping that's being happening so that the hardware is building up to be ready to the problems that we know matter mm -hmm. them well. Got it. Well, that's a, that's a great way to actually approach the, uh, the, uh, the question that I just gave you. And it's, uh, it's perfect. Thank you for that. Absolutely. And uh, like, for example, what we do, we are actually do a lot, quite a bit of quantum inspired optimization work, like, um, you know, working on a software stack. And we had clients which have um, an optimization solver in production that saves them 20% of, of the time for certain scheduling tasks and so on, right? And so there's real impact already today. And that especially in the, in the optimization space and, exactly. you know, so basically, you know, solving nonlinear problems in linear time is the big promise later on with true quantum computers. But we can already, uh, well, we, we won't get to the linear execution time with classical hardware, but we can use GPU arrays and get at least a little bit of acceleration there. And it's already outpacing classic optimization algorithms with quantum inspired optimization algorithms that though run on classical hardware. But just think about like in a few years, we can just take these algorithms as they are, don't need to rewrite them no. and put them on a quantum computer and it will just fly even more. And so this is an investment into the future as well, right? Um, anyway, um, but just like you said, there is a, quite a few already where we're seeing impact. And uh, But the expectation is sometimes a little bit too much on, on certain people's mind. And some people think like, oh, are quantum computers going to replace like my cell phone? Will I have a quantum computer in my cell phone? No, folks, quantum computers is adding on top. It's providing new uh, models for computation and it won't just kill classical computers, right? They will They will actually be needed. You need to control quantum computers and whatnot. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's an addition on top that will help us to solve crazy problems that are unsolvable today, right? Sorry, I've, I've been talking too much already. <laughs> um, but let me ask you the last question here. In, in season two, episode nine, uh, we talked with Araceli about the skilled workforce shortage. And I know you're also passionate about that topic as well, right? And in your opinion, what are the actually the required skills in order to be working in, in quantum computing, right? Is it a degree in physics or what kind of expertise is required to get started working in quantum computing? Hmm. Um, yeah, a pretty loaded question, I think. Uh, like, like a lot of spaces in, in quantum and parts of the ecosystem for me it helps to kind of categorize these things right i like to put them into boxes to think about how they work together and how they fit together and in terms of workforce needed i kind of like to put it into three categories so first of all we have you know the, the sort of really upskilled academic players that have phds and in, in physics and you know, computational simulation and theory and electronics and electrical engineering, you know, people that are really there and have very deep expertise. And because, you know, you talked about that in this, in the, your previous episode with Araceli, because the environment is so close to academia, those jobs are not going anywhere anytime soon. And those are roles that are continuing to be needed. And because it takes so long to get a PhD and whatever and become like an expert in, in the subject matter, um, it's also going to take a while to upskill a considerable amount of the population. 
But then you think, okay, it's not really fair that we expect, you know, all these people to get PhDs in physics. Okay, that's just not everyone's cup of tea and it's not really reasonable or sustainable. So then you get into this category of sort of more approachable and entry-level jobs that can be either on the communication side of things, the community building, you know, educators and real pedagogical approaches, and also more entry-level software developers, you know, people who maybe have some engineering experience or nanofabrication experience, but maybe not specifically in this part of quantum. And there, you know, you have a bachelor's degree and maybe a master's, or you've had some really amazing experience in different startups, and you can kind of already start entering the field, right? I mean, you have to give it to IBM with all of their Qiskit advocates and making everything as accessible to possible as possible to everyone um, to really lower that barrier to entry. And those, I think, stuff is going in the right way for that. And then, in my opinion, what we see is also this, this need for a sort of more senior, upper-level business developers that have an understanding of quantum. You can't really sing the quantum story if you don't have a genuine understanding inside of you of what the tricks are that are being leveraged. You know, why is it so weird and amazing? And if you don't understand that in your core and have a little bit of understanding of quantum, you can't sell the story. You can't understand what kind of partnerships and collaborations. And I think this is what you touched on previously with Araceli. This, this more experienced, you know, deep tech expert that also understands quantum and can build the partnerships and do the sales, that's a role that is missing in the world right now and that is going to take a while to fill in. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I like to think about the three different categories. Progress is being made. I think just talking about it, things exactly like this that are making it accessible to, to people is the first step because then little by little, you know, just familiarity lowers the barrier to entry to everyone. You know, you don't think, what the heck are they talking about anymore when you hear superposition and entanglement? It will become hopefully more casual lingual. <laughs> awesome. Wow, that was a fantastic, fantastic answer. Um, thank you so much for sharing all your insights today. Uh, we're unfortunately already at the end of the show. We could talk for many yes. more hours. Um, uh, but thanks so much for being on the show and, and sharing your insights today. Thanks so much, Renee. Catch you soon. Well, that was amazing, right? Um, thanks, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Qbytes, your bite-side piece of quantum computing. Uh, you, know the, you know the drill, right? Watch our blog, follow the social media channels to hear all about the next episodes of season three and maybe the next season. We will see. So far, take care. Be safe. And see you soon. Bye-bye.